It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. Multiple Birth Podcast with myself and joining me, my favourite time of the week is catching up with this lovely lady from twinfo.com.au. It is the beautiful Naomi Dolan. Hey, Gnomes, how are you going? Hello, Nikki. How are you? I am fantastic. I am going through a period of time where my kids have been back-to-back sick, but we are getting there. So you know what? It's head head up, smile on your dial, because they just keep getting sick. Well, there is kind of no other way is there sometimes you've just got to roll with that and then they pass it back and forth and then you're back to square one when the other one gets something else isn't it incredible (laughs) it's just literally a revolving door of illness (laughs) yeah i I wonder if um those that have other children that are older if (sighs) you know because they're it's the babies that when they're learning to get all the like the young children are learning to get their building their immunity I wonder if you've got older, multiple, uh, sorry, older children rather than your multiples in the house, whether you kind of skip a bit of that because maybe they get a bit from them. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder which way it works, whether it's worse because then they bring bugs potentially home from school. From school. That's what I was wondering in childhood. Yeah, because or- we're going through that whole daycare, childcare, you know, preschool thing at the moment where we just seem to be picking everything up from preschool and then, as you said, just rotating it around. But it'd be is – it, is it worse or better if you've got older kids? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Let us know. Head to our Facebook page. Become the authority of Talking that. Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast, and let us know if you think that having older children means that your younger children get less sick or more sick due to the circumstances. Same place. You can also hit us up if you want to get involved in the podcast yourself. We're always looking for guests. We want to hear everybody's story. Please hit us up. Um, Jackie's back again for another week. Loving this. I know. It's so good, isn't it? We've been catching up with Jackie for a few weeks now. So many different elements of her story to be shared. And we did decide that there are a couple more topics that we want to talk about. This one, uh, Naomi, always a hard-hitting one. We've touched and sort of skated around it at times. But it is, of course, talking about uh, mental health, postnatal depression and some of the big struggles you face when you first have multiples. And as we all know, those people that have multiples, um, the mums and the dads or the partners um, are a lot more susceptible to it, um, to mental health and postnatal depression than parents of singletons. We'll hook into it and hear how it was with Jackie next. It's Talking Twins and More. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyangley.com. Once again this week, we're very excited to welcome Jackie back because we just love to get your insight and thoughts on things. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us again. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, we've been talking about all sorts of things, but uh, this time we thought we'd talk about one of the toughest issues for people to discuss, and that is postnatal depression. Jackie, you have a bit of experience in this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's so many different types, like I'll just start here. I just think there's so many different types of or even ways to describe postnatal depression. Um, You know, things that I've seen people starting to talk about is like postnatal anxiety, um, then you've got the personal depression. Um, I feel like, and particularly with me, there was also a delayed postpartum depression. Um, so I just think there's not, you know, one box that fits, 
like fits everybody um, for this issue, and it's a it's something that's really important, and it does impact you know obviously multiple parents um, more so than than parents of just um, having one child. So I looked up some stats on that because I thought you know understanding is probably going to help people more. Um, so the stats from postnatal depression. Multiples obviously have a higher rate, um, but generally speaking, 50 to 75% of new mums, so that's one in seven new mums, um, will have some level of postnatal depression. So I think it's something that just impacts so many. Um, and I don't really know that it's something you can forecast. I mean, I think you can obviously go based on history. So if you've had a history of postnatal depression, um, then, you know, it's going to increase your chances um, and things like that. But you also can't necessarily see it coming, which I didn't see it coming. Um, I'd already had a child, everything was fine, didn't have postnatal depression first time around. I'm sure having two definitely multiplies everything, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and so yeah, I think there's actually been things. some studies done that say, um, mothers of twins or triplets have almost twice the average risk of postnatal depression. Yeah, so, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, it definitely, definitely puts it up there. Um, and the other thing is we've got to be really, like, it's not just the mums that get it. One in ten new dads will also suffer yeah. the MD. 100%. And I think for the dads... I was talking to a friend about it the other day and for the dads, it's, you know, a case of they may go from being not a parent at all to then all of a sudden having these, you know, two or three newborns to look after. So for them, it's a big jump between nothing and really, you know, demanding and, and full on for other people and, and not yourself. So I think for dads, it is important to, to bring them into these conversations too um, whereas we, you know, as, as women generally, unless you've got like a surrogate or something, um, we'll generally go through the pregnancy process. And so it's a build-up or a lead-up um, where we get to, you know, obviously connect with what's inside of us um, before it actually comes comes out. So, um, and we're talking here more than just having a good old-fashioned cry, aren't we? Yeah. You know, like we're not... Like, because of course, there's the baby blues that everyone talks about, but you don't really realise what's happening to you, and all of a sudden you sit there with your boobs out and you just start crying. That's completely different to what we're talking about here. And then when it's sure. compounded with um, severe sleep deprivation that we all go through, yeah. with newborn multiples, or not even just newborn. I mean, you know, mine like 18 months and still up three or four times a night. <laughs> so. The sleep deprivation, it, it's hard sometimes to know when it is actually technically postnatal depression as opposed to just having a hard time um, and, you know, just wanting to have a big cry and everything like that. So how 100% did you, agree. Yeah, how did you work out that yours was a bit more serious than, you know, just haven't needing to have a big old fashioned ball in the bathtub one night or in the shower. I shower cry. That's where I cry. My other shower cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I usually am too, and I think I think having that mindset initially probably doesn't help. 
um, being able to identify, you know, what postnatal depression looks like and because it is different. So, yeah, I think knowing what it looks like or what it can look like is absolutely helpful for people. So, for me initially, I think I was in more of that, you know, fight or flight mode for so long. So we went through tongue ties, which we talked about briefly before, um, but then we still, you know, went on to have issues and Leo was still um, like a very unsettled baby. So we went on to find was reflux. Um, and then, you know, if we would get a diagnosis, we were like, great, this is, you know, this is problem solved. We can move forward now. But it wasn't. It was hit after hit after hit. And then we ended up very intolerant as well. So then we're having to juggle that. And so because you just keep getting whacked, which I think generally speaking, there's going to be issues unless you're extremely lucky because you've got at least two, if not three, babies. Um, so, yeah, as Naomi was saying, the sleep deprivation, I can't even begin to describe how challenging that was for me. I thought I had a level of understanding of what that looks like from already having a child and I was so wrong um, and I thought I was superwoman like I wanted to keep the house clean I wanted to have all the meals made for you know my other child and the family I wanted to you know be just perfect at everything and I really wanted to enjoy the time and build the bond with the babies um, but I literally was just drowning. I was drowning so much and I just kept going. Um, I think I hit the biggest wall when they were four months old and that's when um, I reached out to my GP um, who knows me very well and he was able to identify, look, we're looking at postnatal depression here. Um, so I think being able to know where to seek help and then where to seek his support um, to help build you back up is important. But these things, this is not a weak thing. This is not something that's going to potentially last like four weeks. Like this is a journey and it's a process. So you 100% like need to surround yourself with the support that you're going to need. And there's... There's no level of, you know, it's kind of hard to put into words. It is, because I, I think I probably had undiagnosed postnatal depression because I didn't talk to anyone about it. I just kept on struggling through. Yeah. Um, because I, I think I thought that I was showing I wasn't coping, I suppose, if I, if I verbalised what was going on. And... Because we did so many rounds of IVF, I was already putting myself under so much pressure because, like, you know, we wanted these babies so much. We had gone through hell and back to get them, and I was going to be the perfect parent. Mm, for because sure. That's and what I wanted to be, you know. It was my lifelong dream to be a mum. And, um, yeah, I, and then I, I struggled. Mm. It's um, it, it, there's so many challenges for each individual along the way, and they are individualized. Um, but I mean, there's there's different levels of your postnatal depression. Like, I was reading um, that you can even have psychosis, and there's one to two people in one thousand 
will develop that. So I think I was lucky that um, I didn't develop that. Um, But it can get so severe for people and that's where I think it's important to try and be able to identify and just keep close with your community, with your midwife, with um, like, you know, there's midwives that pop out to your house, the community community ones, I think they are. Um, and then, you know, your GP, if you would all, you know, feel like this is prolonged and you're not getting the sleep and you're having so many things just keep going and just punching you down, um, I think you need to be just just talking, um, whether that's a friend, just anybody to try to set yourself up so that it's not going to be this big, gigantic hole that you just can't get out of. I think, um, I think once you go down that hole, it, it is difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's to hard sort of to climb back up. It's hard to, but it's also hard For to sure. see. And I think the other thing that you have is there's a lot of different um, ways that people experience postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety, both of which that I experienced. Um, again, not diagnosed, not treated, per, personally treated, but that's because I already knew my personality and knew that I was susceptible to it and knew that I was susceptible to anxiety, but also um, wasn't in a position, again, being in rural and regional New South Wales where support's really available either. And that's another issue that obviously happens. You know, you're reliant sometimes only on your other half and they're struggling as well. And between the two of you, uh, it can be going down a vortex of struggles. Um, but I think it's important to mm-hmm. highlight that people often have this idea that postnatal depression in particular um, can manifest as some sort of hatred or rejection towards your child and I don't want to be around my baby and, and that sort of thing. But that's an extreme response. It's only in a minute number of people. The rest of it can just be that ongoing feeling of overwhelmed, feeling overwhelmed, feeling that you're not getting on top of things, feeling that you're not capable as a human being, you're letting everybody down, you're letting your children down, you're not meeting all your baby's needs, particularly when you have two at the same time, you're having to put one down while they're crying because, and Jackie, it sounds like you had the same experience as me, I had two chronic colic babies, one of which I physically couldn't put down for 19 months of his life. Um, Colic's meant to be grown out of by six months. My so baby hard. didn't grow out of nine out of out of it till nineteen months, and it's something that people don't know. And even medical practitioners I've had say that's not possible, but I've had pediatricians say and yes, unfortunately, severe colic. So, you know, and there's so many ways that it can manifest in a human being that I don't want people to be struggling and think, oh, but it's not. I'm just not coping today. But it might be, but if you're not coping the next day and the next day, that's where you really need to say you need some extra support. For sure, and there's no shame in in saying it. And I think, again, with all of these topics, when you talk about them more and the more that we talk about them, um, it's just going to bring so much more normalisation to to other people who are potentially going through it so that they don't feel so alone because feeling alone in this Mm. makes it even harder. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. For me, for me, I should have seen it coming because, like you said, with the personality traits, um, you know, I have that high expectation and that perfectionism that creeps in with pretty much everything yep. I do. And so I probably should have seen it coming that I just sort of went with, hasn't happened before, I'll be right. Um, I, you know, even like we didn't take the daddy leave. We, you know, no, I'm fine. Off you go to work, daddy. 
because um, I was literally like, I've got this, it's fine, like, it's not a big deal. Um, and I just ruined myself <laughs> by not lowering the expectations sooner um, and then not recognizing the signs mm. and then the, the self-care as well. So eating well, drinking your water, like really getting back to basics and making sure that those things are met. Um, It's it's such a juggle in general. And there were so many times where I honestly was just like, this is just an unrealistic, like it's just completely unrealistic. There's no way one person can do this. but when, you know, you do have these little little humans depending on you, you do feel like an absolute failure if you're not doing everything 100%. And that's when I think, like, as I was going through that journey, I learned that, you know what, sometimes 50% is fine. Um, and I wish I'd learned that earlier. And so, you know, sometimes you don't have to give 150% or even 100%. It's okay, especially to have days where, you know what, 50% of all you've got in the tank because you've had no sleep, you've been screamed at so long that you've just got a ring in your ears that just doesn't go away. And that's okay if you can only give 50% that day. Honestly, mm. it's fine. The basics are what needs to be met. So, of course, you know, just making sure everybody's fed, everyone's alive. And you know what, that's a day that's done and then you can move on to the next day. Um, therapist, that's a good one as well. I ended up getting a therapist after I went to my GP and we started on therapy before we started on meds because, um, again, I'm not sure if this is a common thing, but I was brought up um, to sort of believe, you know, depression is like a weakness and, you know, it's, you don't need tablets for that and, and all of that sort of jargon. So, it was a really big um, just mental process to go through and a journey to understand, okay, you know what, I do need therapy and I, I need meds too. Um, so the therapist is great because you can just word vomit everything onto them and then they can provide you with strategies. Um, they can listen. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need is just someone to hear you. Um if you can rely on friends and family, go for it. I can't say I had a great deal of support um, with my family and I really struggled with feeling like they understood what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good thing about um, having other multiple birth parents as, as friends and people that you can call on and, and talk to because of anybody they kind of, they're the closest to actually understanding what you're going through um, and 100%. just how hard it is. I know um, just even in, you know, the Parents of Multiples group that runs off Twinfo, people have reached out in there um, because they're like, no one else understands. And the support that's been rallied behind people who say, look, I think I've got depression. Is this normal? Is this just what it's like being a twin mum or a triplet mum or or a dad, um, and people have really been able to listen and it's not a competition as who, who's got it harder or anything. They just know it's bloody hard. And it's a level of understanding. It yeah. absolutely is. Those Facebook yeah. groups, honestly, they 
probably contributed at least a quarter to sort of getting me out of the hole. Um, the mums of multiples, as you mentioned, I was admin on that for quite some time. And that's where, you know, because I was used to doing charity work and a lot of charity work, like charities are always being close to my heart. My sister passed away when she was two of leukemia. And so I was seven at the time. And, you know, that hit our family really hard. And so charity's always been such an important part of my life and giving back. And, you know, these are the changes that happen when you have multiples. I couldn't do charity work. I was, you know, literally just trying to survive in our household, um, let alone give anything to, to others who are in need. And so that's why I became an admin on the Mums of Multiples to be able to still do a level of charity work, at least in my mind, to be able to, um, you know, contribute back to the community, but in a, in a different way and in an online community. Um, with Corona, I think that's enhanced how we we're able to connect and we're so um, blessed, I think, to have, again, social, like I, I brag about social media because I do think it's great and these things are reasons why. Um, I've had, you know, many one-on-ones with people reaching out from those groups who were in dire need of, you know, some mental health services such as Beyond Blue, which I also use because you get to a level where Panda won't actually deal with you anymore because your twins are too old or your multiples are too old. And so because I got went through that later part of delayed postpartum depression, I wasn't really sure where to look. I contacted them and they were like, sorry, can't help you. And I was like, what do you mean you can't help wow. me? <laughs> and so I will absolutely talk up Beyond Blue because they did help me. Um, they, you know, you don't have to be on the phone to them because if you've got screaming babies, how are you meant to talk to anyone? But we, like, they've got, like, a text service. Like, you can just, like, text in a little chat room um, and they they talk back and they give you real things that you can utilise and use. It's like, okay, so we need to, you know, they can look at it with their with their training and, and give you practical solutions um, to try and help you through. And there's lots of mums who have been in dire need um, that I've received messages off from there that they've saved their message back when they're in a better place and said, you know, you saved my life. And I think that, like, that makes me like choke up a little bit because like, it, just, it gets so serious sometimes for some people. And I didn't save their life. like, <laughs> But, you know, you just help show them the tools of what you've used that help you through and then it, it's helped them as well. And that's, again, why I'm even doing this podcast. Is just to show, yeah, to show people they're not alone. That there is people and obviously organisations um, out there who can help, and there's people like yourself that have taken time to reply to messages, to come on podcasts and things like that, um, and share. And the more we talk about this, the more you know people are able to get the help that they need. 100%, 100%. And I mean, in the world we live in, you know, like I wasn't having multiples when the bushfires hit, but the bushfires were across the road from me and, and my kids were oh, maybe just two. And, you know, then we get like, there's so many things we get hit with, um, you know, COVID being the most recent. And it's just, you've got to know where you can go to get that level of support that you need to, 
to really help you through and to help you be the best parent that you can and to help you learn and grow and, and understand your mind. Because um, if you can understand the process, then I just think it just makes it just a little bit easier as you're going through it to know that, hey, you know what, this is a process and I am where I am, but it's going to get better. And yeah. it will get better. Jackie, for That's you, for sure. what, what point was that for you through your journey? At what point do you have you felt like you've turned that corner um, or, you know, yeah, what, what point did you reach where you could say, okay, I think I'm starting to feel a little bit better? So I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know that I've heard lots of people <laughs> appear to sugarcoat it. Perhaps they're not. Um, but in, in our circumstances, it wasn't until they were well into over 12 months old that I started to see light at the end of the tunnel. And then that's when I kept getting hit with other things. Um, so then it, it would sort of whack me again. And I, I went off meds when they were just before they were 12 months old. Um, and I finished up with therapy. I, I was in a good place. So I was like, okay, this is manageable. I'm okay. Let's move forward. Um, but then when we got smashed with the bushfires, I actually started having panic attacks. Mm. Um, and I went back on meds. Um, so it, again, it's like, it's like a journey. And um, that time I stayed on them for a while. Um, I then had come July, that's when my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so then that whacked me down, something chronic again. So I stayed <laughs> in the mess. <laughs> and it wasn't until probably the later part of last year that I went off them. So where my kids are three and a half now and we're in a good place. Um, COVID didn't send us too many hiccups. We were quite untouched by COVID. I mean, sure, dynamics changed and routines changed, but that's okay. It didn't directly affect us. Um, so it, it's tricky to say you don't know what's around the corner. Mm. But I think you make um, a good point with that because you, you're pointing out that just because you can feel a bit better and that that's why I sort of wanted to ask, you can still get hit by things or you might reach another stage where – and I think to have this illusion that, you know, it, it's purely in that 12 months after your babies are born. Like I still find that I go through times now where I'm, I'm not coping with things to do with the boys because it's a stage that I didn't anticipate and it didn't – you know, it's a new hiccup whether it's – no longer classified as, you know, postnatal depression. It's more uh, generalised um, parenting stresses or something like that. Uh, the, these things can hit you and get to that point of feeling overwhelmed again. Yeah, absolutely. And and having been able to grow through that journey, learn techniques early, um, learn support strategies, um, where to reach out to for help, who to surround yourself with is a really important one as well. These are things that you learn along the way so that you can hopefully pick yourself back up relatively quickly and relatively easily um, to continue on um, until, you know, potentially the next thing. Yeah. But, putting um, the strategies in place, isn't it? It's, it's having those strategies in place to go, okay, now's not a good time. This is what I know I need to do. Absolutely. And knowing that that's okay. Mm, that's yeah. okay that you might be having a hard time. Um you will get through it. So true. 
Did either of you guys suffer badly from um, the anxiety side of it, out of interest? Absolutely. I think mine was definitely more of a postnatal anxiety than a depression, to be honest, mm. but it was diagnosed as postnatal depression. Yeah, because that, that was the thing that really crippled me. And, and a lot, as I said, again, fortunate I kind of know my personality really well, but um, I really struggled with the postnatal anxiety and the that overwhelming feeling that I just wasn't on top of everything. And, and I would find sometimes, you know, you have those little comments and Naomi, you, I know you and I we always talk about these things, but when people would say things like, oh, it's just like having, you know, two under 18 months or two under whatever, I'd be like, well, if they can do it, why haven't I? And that just built in myself and became like a you know, this massive snowball of anxiety, then the littlest things became the most, the biggest things and it just snowballed from there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, unless someone ha- actually has multiples, they don't really realise. And look, we're not saying that, you know, having two children under two, it is just different. Mm, mm, you know, it's, it's, all parenting is hard. Mm. It's, uh, you know, it, it's the hardest job in the world. Mm. Um, but unless people have two or three the exact same age who have the exact same needs at the exact same time, they just don't understand, do they? No, no. And and just like you can't understand the different stages within the twin, well, we can't understand what it's like to have triplets. And then, you know, Naomi, as you and I have often spoken about, boy-girl has got its different challenges to boy-boy. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, having identical boys, just because I know Nikki's got boys, but by having identical boys would have different dynamics to having fraternal mm. boys. Yeah, yeah. And with so, it being different and triggers and different different stresses that we, we can't all relate to, but at the end of the day, we just have to, to to put in those strategies to help yourself and look after yourself. Absolutely. And again, this comes back to why these groups like Parents of Multiples, Mums of Multiples, all of these online groups um, are fantastic for that kind of support because you can connect with people in your exact situation. I mean, Amber is fantastic. You know, they... but. Again, during COVID, couldn't do any of their face-to-face stuff and not everybody lives in an area where there is an Amber Club or is in the position to be able to get out mm. to um, attend play groups and to attend coffee mornings and things like that. So I think these online supports, um, and again, that's part of the reason why I set up Twinfo, mm. was to try yeah. and support people online with their journey. Um, and that support is so varied mm. and sometimes... It is something much bigger than any of us than any of us can do. But to have all the information of the professionals that they can go to, you know, to have the the panda and the beyond beyond blue, and also just to have the other parents that take the time to check in on them. And I think, um, and I think the so important, important thing in all of this is to say, you know, if you just think that you're teetering on that edge or you're having that one too many days that are a bad day, that that's the time to say, I need to reach out. I need to put up my hand and say, mate, you might not even know because the whole, you know, particularly when your babies are first there and you're trying to get your head around it, the whole thing is so overwhelming. You don't really know your left hand from your right hand. But if you feel that you're just getting to that point where maybe it's just so overwhelming that you can't 
think straight and you need that extra bit of support, that's the time to to reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. It might not be necessarily classified as postnatal depression, but there is help out there. There is support and you don't have to do it on your own. And look, there are resources out there. You guys have touched on it. Beyond Blue, you can hit them up at beyondblue.com.au. And please, if anybody is struggling, please reach out to Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thank you guys for being so transparent and honest. It's been a really interesting conversation and I think it's just important to let everybody know, as you said, they're not alone. Absolutely. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.